And good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome to another edition of the Patriot Radio News Hour. You have found the, I guess, the wisdom or the straight talk that you're going to get. You're not going to get in the the mainstream media. You're going to get it here. We're just going to tell it to you like it is, unvarnished. You know, it's just going to be the cold, ugly truth. And boy, the markets are rocking and firing today. Taking a look at the Dow Jones up to 11. NASDAQ's up 7, and the S&P's up 14. Gold is holding steady at 18.03, and silver's jumping up at $19.06. And probably the biggest mover on the board is Tesla, up 18. And the reason that's important is because Tesla, if it shows a year of profitability, it can get on the uh, S&P, I believe. And uh, so that that's huge. They become a legitimate player then. They're, they're sold 15 million cars last month in uh or, well, this year, rather, in uh, China. And that's huge, uh, expanding that market. So, you know, they're, it's very interesting. <laughs> An interesting company, uh, interesting business model, uh, building cars out of a tent at one point. Uh, so who knows? Uh, the problem is that those, those cars, when they crash, they tend to burn. So that's the only downside to that is, you know, uh, I have a good friend that has a Tesla. He swears by it. He loves it. I have a niece who has a tesla she loves it the people who people who are into it are diehard tesla fans and then that i guess that's great to have that brand loyalty so uh hey it's jack daniels friday you made it to the end of the week good for you now you're going to need a couple shots of jack to get this next story uh nancy pelosi now she's originally from baltimore that's my neck of the woods i live in maryland her father was the mayor of Baltimore, Thomas DeLisandro. There's actually a street named after him. You know, if they ever tear that street sign down, I wonder if she'll then get offended because she wasn't offended by the Christopher Columbus statue being torn down in her own neighbor, old neighborhood. She basically said people are going to do what they're going to do. So she's basically sanctioned the mob. But that's her voting block. So I guess she has to keep them happy. Now, she was also in a news conference on Thursday. It's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said in a press briefing on Thursday that a trillion dollars is an interesting starting point. Trillion. Okay, that's a thousand billion, folks. A billion is a thousand million, and a trillion is a thousand billion, just for some a start point here, okay? She said it's an interesting starting point to talk about another spending bill, but indicated that she wants more than that. What doesn't measure up is, oh, it can only be a trillion dollars, Pelosi said. No, we need a trillion for state and local. That's to bail out those pensions. She didn't say that. I'm adding that in there. We need another trillion dollars and another trillion dollars for unemployment insurance and direct payments, something like that. But probably not as much for the testing, tracing, treatment, etc. Well, you see where our priorities are, right? So a trillion dollars is, okay, that's an interesting starting point, but it doesn't come anywhere near, she said. A reporter then asked if she meant to say billion when she said trillion. No, I'm saying trillion. Trillion for state and local. A trillion for unemployment insurance and direct payments. A trillion with a TR. And it ain't Teddy Roosevelt because you know what? His statue's getting taken down too, folks. History is being erased in front of our eyes. And me as a history teacher, it breaks my heart. I It just it, it hurts me. It hurts me. It cuts me to the quick. I cannot take stuff like that. It bothers me. These idiots running around with Che Guevara shirts on. If they actually knew who Che Guevara was, if they could if they could even get that through their thick heads, who he was, they would be revolted by him. But, nope, they run around. Che's our guy. You know, he's a revolutionary. And they wear the Obey shirts, which even cracks me up even more because they're not obeying anything but George Soros. So they're not 
rioting for George Floyd anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They're rioting for George Soros, who's cutting checks and leaving the pallets of bricks everywhere and, and just causing complete mayhem, shorting the U.S. dollar, betting against the United States. And there we are. So, uh, hey, Jason, what's going on there in Colorado, man? I hear we have another special. What do we got, bud? Oh, no, we, we uh, were able to acquire more of yesterday's special. There's uh, we, we sold pretty well on yesterday's special. And we still have those Mint State 62 $20 gold pieces at nineteen ninety five. It's amazing that we were able to make it to another day and, and get a, a, a small amount more of these. So I believe 25 to 30 uh, So these will be first come, first serve. If you missed the show, uh, both the shows yesterday, we sold these on both shows. Uh, had qu- quite a decent response on them. Uh, this was a, a special that Joe was able to acquire for us. He, he wanted to be on the show today. Uh, I think he's. Uh, I think his 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 mind wants to get him farther along than his body's allowing. So we'll see about next week with Joe. But he did uh, poke around and get this special lined up for us. Uh, so you know this is uh, the Joe getting back in the saddle uh, sort of special that he started yesterday. We're going to continue with that today. These are twenty dollar gold pieces and mint state sixty two. These are not circulated. These are have been thirty third party graded. Uh, they have not been circulated. A lot of the gold pieces that we sell are circulated. And they sell for this price. We've been selling $20 gold pieces the last few months at 1995 when gold kind of got stuck in that 1700 to 1800 price range. But now gold in the last pretty much most of this week has broke past 18 and it's sitting above 1800 That really means we don't know what to expect by Monday, but sometimes when you have you have your breakthrough a level like 1800 and then uh, it sits there right before the weekend sometimes there's a large move upward uh, silver doing doing its thing and dancing around 19 dollars an ounce starting to move where it's supposed to go and i don't see any downward trend right now with this so to get a 20 dollar gold piece graded in mid state 62 for 1995 it is a just it is absolutely the best price uh, on gold today that you can get Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Call the number. Uh, please be patient. If there's a, if you need to leave a message, leave a message. You will get your uh, your coin lined up. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. We don't have the support here in Colorado, so please call the eight hundred number. And Glenn, we'll be back. I think some Andrew Jackson coming up, right? Absolutely, Andrew Jackson, Old Hickory. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour. This is your substitute teacher, Glenn Biddle, sitting in. And we have Jason with us today. We're going to talk about Andrew Jackson and the bank war. Now, I'm an eighth grade U.S. history teacher, and I want to read you the two paragraphs out of my eighth grade history book, which are actually very good. A lot of people, you know, say that history books aren't very good anymore and they're biased. But this one, the one we use is very good. And it's Andrew Jackson and the Bank War. The Bank War was the name given to the campaign begun by President Andrew Jackson in 1833 to destroy the Second Bank of the U.S. After his re-election convinced him that his opposition to the bank had won national support, the Second Bank had been established in 1816 as a successor to the First Bank of the United States, whose charter had been permitted to expire in 1811. In 1832, Jackson had vetoed a bill calling for an early renewal of the Second Bank's charter, but renewal was still possible when the charter expired in 1836. To prevent that from happening, he set out to reduce the bank's economic power. 
acting against the advice of congressional committees and over the opposition of several cabinet members, and after replacing two resistant secretaries of the Treasury with a more amenable appointee, Roger Taney, Jackson announced that effective October 1, 1833, federal funds would no longer be deposited in the Bank of the United States. Instead, he began placing them in various state banks. By the end of 1833, 23 pet banks, as they were properly known, had been selected. The president of the bank, Nicholas Biddle, a distant relative of mine, anticipating Jackson's actions began a counter move in August of 1833. He started presenting state bank notes for redemption, calling in loans and generally contracting credit. A financial crisis, he thought, would dramatize the need for a central bank ensuring support for charter renewal in 1836. In fact, Biddle's campaign appears to have had less effect than neither either his supporters or his detractors believed at the time, but the bank war became a matter of intense debate in Congress, in the press, and among the public. Deputations of businessmen descended on Washington, complaining about the business conditions and seeking an end to the bank war, while administration spokesmen argued that Biddle's capacity to disrupt the economy only heightened the dangers of a central bank. The federal deposits were not returned to the second bank, and its charter expired in 1836. President Jackson had won the bank war. So, Jason, that's pretty good topic there in an eighth grade u.s history book don't you think yeah it's pretty good no and you blew you you i think you blew everyone's mind you you were uh you were very <laughs> that was a lot of information yeah i mean that i mean and we're gonna go over all that stuff well right? yeah let me but let me do the, one thing glenn I'll, let me preface yeah. the because uh, you, you talked about a lot more about the bank war in that and, and a little less about what happened on this date uh, right l- let, me, her, let me just set purpose yeah yep. let me set the table and let you go into it and then i i, I do want to read a little later on, uh, some of the statements in his his veto message. What happened on July tenth, eighteen thirty two? Andrew Jackson had had gone through his first. Uh, he had won. He had won election in uh, eighteen twenty eight, and his first term was coming to an end. So his reelection was coming. Uh, the bank charter was going to end in eighteen thirty six. Which, if Andrew Jackson was reelected, he could then fight and end the recharter in eighteen thirty six. So Nicholas Biddle. Uh, together with the uh, the urgings of Henry Clay, who was running for president in the Whig Party, thought that if they brought the issue of recharter in the election year of 1832, it would be too much political heat for Andrew Jackson to avoid. If, if the Congress and the Senate passed this early recharter, Andrew Jackson would have to sign it because he would not get reelected if he did not. Andrew Jackson was a fighter for America and American interests. He did not like the Bank of England. And the bankers that were uh, that composed the central bank, which is the second bank of the United States, and he vetoed it. There's a little discrepancy depending on who who you read as to when he signed the veto. There's information that it was given to him on July 4th, and he signed it on July 4th, and then his message was on July 10th. There's also stories out there that he signed it on July 10th, and his message was also given his veto message on July 10th. So today, being July 10th, still I think the more significant date because his veto message is very strong. And after Glenn talks a little bit more about what happened during these days, I'll read some of the, uh, some of, just some of the uh, bullet points about the, the veto message he gave, which very much speaks of what we should be emphasizing today with our own Fe- uh, Federal Reserve Central Bank that should not have existed or been voted in in 1913. So, Glenn? Yeah, so and so going back just a little bit, that first bank of the U.S. that was one thing that Alexander Hamilton wanted, and it didn't. And and uh, here's where Thomas Jefferson comes in and says, "You can't do that. It's not in the Constitution. It doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution that you can do that." 
And Alexander Hamilton, brilliant. These all guys were all smart, right? He goes, yeah, you know, right? It doesn't say I can, but it also doesn't say I can't. And he gets his bank, right? Correct. And what's what's ironic about that is is that Jefferson uses that same argument for the Louisiana Purchase down the road when people tell him <laughs> that he can't do it because it's not the Constitution. So, you know, every, everything works out in, in your own favor when you need it to, right? Well, let me say, so, so, yeah. and let me say one thing, Glenn. That first bank in the United States ended in 1811. If you ever wondered what the War of 1812 was really about, why, why was it the War of 1812? Why wasn't it the War of 1810? Well, the bank... The first bank of the United States was allowed, that charter was allowed to expire because of the disastrous effects of its first 20 years. And the War of 1812 was directly caused by the banks running the Bank of England saying, we have to have that central bank so we can rob the American colonies of their wealth. And that's why we had the War of 1812, because we got rid of the bank. Right. And then the other piece of this backstory that, that's important is in 1824, the election of 1824, Andrew Jackson lost because of what's called the corrupt bargain. This is where Henry Clay worked against him to swing electors over to the other candidate. And Jackson went nuts and said that Clay was Judas. And as Judas sold out for his pieces of silver, so and, and, and Clay did, he shall meet the same fate and when you called somebody judas back in that day everyone read the bible that was like one of the most vicious insults you could ever say against somebody calling them a judas back then because like i say everybody read the bible so that's the backstory right so well and let, let me let me add andrew jackson won the election by popular vote and by the most delegates yes. he actually won the election he just didn't have the majority that's right. He didn't have the Electoral College, which leads to Jackson's five goals as president. He wanted to get rid of the Electoral College, right? Because after that, having an apple out of that barrel, he didn't want another one. He wanted to get rid of the bank. He wanted to get rid of paper money, which is ironic that his face is on the 20. and We can talk about that later. And he wanted to pay off the debt, which he did and moving the Indians west, which is the big thing that everybody goes after him for, which actually happened after his administration, you know, the Trail of Tears. But that's where a lot of people like to, to jam up Andrew, Andrew Jackson, right? Now, he'd been in, like, over 45 duels, had, had a bullet lodged in his chest that they couldn't remove. This guy was superhuman. He defied the Supreme Court in a case, I think it was uh, Georgia versus the U.S., where the Indians wanted to get their land back, and they actually won, and, he, and the, the Andrew Jackson said, well, the chief justice has made his decision. Let him try to enforce it. Now, ironically, when Andrew Jackson was a judge, somebody defied his ruling. and He grabs a pistol and goes out to the guy's farm and holds a pistol to him and says, you will abide by this this ruling. You know, so once again, as Jefferson did with the with the Louisiana Purchase and Jackson did with Supreme Court, you know, you have political expediency does what it does. Right, Jason? Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, when this uh, veto happened in 1832, which was an election year, and Andrew Jackson ended up uh, doing what was politically unpopular, he ended up winning by a landslide. The 1832 election was a landslide victory for Andrew Jackson because the people of this country understood central banking. And uh, Henry Clay and Daniel Webster and Nicholas Biddle, their plans were shattered. Yes. And they were. And, and and then when he moves the money into the state banks, there's a lot of inflation, which leads to the, the panic after that, which they also give negative credit to Andrew Jackson. Well, but there and you, a lot and of you said it earlier, you, you said earlier, that. you said it earlier, Glenn, that uh, in 1833, when the, the veto had already happened in 1832 and the election had already been won by Andrew Jackson, then they, the bank started weaving all of their plans to cause pain and suffering, which went all the way to 1837 and caused a depression into the into the 1840s. 
just to just to make uh, Americans believe that it was Andrew Jackson and Martin Van Buren's fault when uh, the, the people just weathered that storm, that depression, and and we had economic uh, huge economic times after that. It, everything right. I mean, and Americans did what Americans do, which was you know to, to to work for a better life. Exactly, and now, folks, you see why we did the Wizard of Oz yesterday. See, all this has a point to it, uh, you know, and that that's why we wanted to bring this up. So, Jason, do you want to start reading some of that um, yeah, veto let, message? Let me read a few of these points because they're, they're very strong. I'll, I'll get through them as quickly as I can. I may have to do a couple on the other segment, but uh, t- uh, let's say Andrew Jackson veto message to the to the Senate the bill to modify and continue the act entitled uh, as entitled an act to incorporate the subscribers to the bank of the united states was presented to me on july 4th having considered it with uh with that solemn regard to the principles of the constitution which the day was calculated to inspire and and come to the conclusion that it ought not become a law i herewith return to the senate with my objections the bank enjoys exclusive privilege of banking under the authority of the general government a monopoly to uh, to its favor and support and as is, as a necessary consequence almost a monopoly of foreign and domestic exchange it appears that more than a fourth part of the stock is held by foreigners and the residue is held by a few hundred of our citizens chiefly the richest class of the 25 directors of the bank five are chosen by the government and 20 are chosen by citizen stockholders from all voice in these elections the foreign stockholders are excluded by the charter the proportion thereof as the stock is transferred to foreign holders the extent of suffrage in the choice of directors is curtailed the entire control would necessarily fall into the hands of a few citizen stockholders there is a danger that a president and directors would then be able to elect themselves from year to year and without responsibility or control manage the whole concerns of the bank it is easy to conceive that that great evils to our country and its institutions might flow from such a concentration of power in the hands of a few irresponsible to the people there is no danger to our liberty and independence in a bank that by its nature has so little to bind it to our country the president of the bank has told us that most of the state banks exist by its forbearance so he's already saying Andrew Jackson is already saying that the state banks and other smaller banks are already in league with this central bank should its influence become concentrated as it may under such an act as this in the hands of a self-elected directory whose interest whose interest are identified with foreign stockholders will there not be cause to tremble for the purity of our elections in peace and for the independence of our country in war but if any private citizen or public functionary should interpose to curtail its powers it cannot be doubted that he would be made to feel its influence he's 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 saying how dangerous a a central bank in control of a few hands and stockholders being of another country glenn how 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 horribly dangerous this is and this is i mean in in this day and age it has gone into into such an otherworldly place this is why 
every single industry is, is controlled by these same individuals, our, our mass media, uh, our entertainment companies, our education system, our religious systems. They're all now under this, this big club, as George Carlin talks about. And if you're not in the big club, you don't exist. You are, are a slave and you serve the system, right? That's exactly right. And the reason we're bringing this history up, ladies and gentlemen, is because that central bank was corrupt. And our central bank we have today, the foreign influence, Jason, is the fact that that bailout money went to foreign banks in 2009 to shore them up because of the the bets that our banks had made with these other banks and had exposure. So it, there's still foreign influence in our banking in a private bank, the Federal Reserve, which are people, it's just, like yesterday, it's as federal as Federal Express is federal, right? So yes, so that's why we bring this history up, because it, it, you can root it directly into present day activities of our own Federal Reserve, right, Jason? That's correct. I mean, let, let me read this here. The Congress, the executive, and the court must each for itself be guided by its own opinion of the Constitution. Each public officer who takes an oath to support the Constitution swears that he will support it as he understands it, and not as it is understood by others. It is as much the duty of the House of Representatives, of the Senate, and of the President to decide upon the constitutionality of any bill or resolution which may be presented. There's one part at the end I wanted to read, Glenn. I'll put it in because it talks about... You know how when you're elected, you're here to p- protect the Constitution. And right, we'll bring that up on the on the next on the next segment. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Halftime on a Friday. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. COVID-19 has done many things to American society, but it has not invalidated the United States Constitution. Article 1, Section 5, Clause 1 clearly states that when it comes to Congress, quote, a majority shall constitute a quorum to do business, end quote. This means members have to actually be present for Congress to pass legislation. However, Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her Democrat cohorts don't care about what the Constitution says. They passed an unconstitutional rules change to allow voting by proxy and virtual hearings on legislation for the House of Representatives. Each member physically present can carry 10 other proxy votes for members who aren't present. This isn't just unconstitutional, it's downright dangerous. Why would we ever want to give 20 people the power to pass congressional legislation? The legislative branch is tasked with writing the laws because they are the branch most directly representing the people. How can you have real representation of the entire U.S. population by just 20 Democrats? It's completely absurd. Our founding fathers would have never wanted anything like this. You've probably guessed by now that the COVID-19 outbreak is the excuse Democrats are using for this unprecedented change. Yet this should have been a moot point from the beginning. Pelosi didn't roll out this rules change until the nation started opening back up again. Besides, it's not like this is the first time our nation has faced a real crisis. From the Spanish flu of 1918 to 9-11, Congress has never faced an emergency so great that we've had to suspend the most sacred traditions of our republic. If you want to know how seriously Democrats are taking proxy voting, just take a look at their actions. Two members of Congress voted by proxy, citing concerns about COVID-19. But they traveled to the launch of the SpaceX rocket just two days later. 
Clearly, this is a downward spiral with no good end. Our nation is a constitutional republic for a reason. Congress should reclaim the Constitution by rejecting proxy voting. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. And welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour on a Jack Daniels Friday. Here's how you get in touch with us, ladies and gentlemen. 800-951-0592, our website, which you can actually do shopping on, allamericangold.com. Uh, we come, you're listening in right now, either on 1010 Family Values Radio in Arizona or 1360 KHNC, the heart of northern Colorado, or you're listening in on a podcast, and there's all sorts of different streaming services you can catch us on, too. And we are exploding as far as podcast downloads are coming from. And we also have a Facebook page. You can go to the 1360 KHNC Facebook page. I update that all the time. So, you know, definitely want you to reach out and talk to us and give us a call. Tell us how we're doing. I mean, we're, we're doing all this history because it's so rooted in the present. And, and that's the whole point of this. So our special today, this is a kick-butt special. Uh, we have MS-62 Saints. At $1,995, these are slabbed PCGS NGC certified. They are great material, and you got to take advantage of this. Um, you can give Wendy a call at 800-951-0592. Remember, she is um, handling the phones herself, so if you get a busy signal and you go to voicemail, she will call you back. So just uh, just be patient there. We're getting every – the Arizona offices are, are coming back online. We've had them deep cleaned and sanitized. Everything's good to go. Joe is – on the mend and we're super excited about that he's giving us guidance every day and uh so things are getting back to normal somewhat and uh so we're talking about andrew jackson today old hickory the hero of new orleans he's considered he won the war of 1812 although he the war of 1812 was already over there was no twitter there was no facebook or or tiktok my gosh can you imagine what the Founding fathers would think of TikTok today, Jason. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Number one, it's communist infiltrated, right? Chinese, but uh, but yeah. So the war was already over. The Battle of New Orleans didn't even have to take place, but it solidified Andrew Jackson's role as because here's how it worked out: Andrew Jackson wins the Battle of New Orleans, and that that news gets up to you know, the rest of the country. People hear that, and then they hear that the war is over, and they're like, "Oh, Andrew Jackson won, won the, the war." war. Won the and, war, right. You know, and one thing to preface that, uh, uh, Glenn, is uh, that was such a rout. The battle was essentially over in less than 45 minutes. Uh, it was a complete rout. Hardly any of the, the, the volunteers and troops that Andrew Jackson was in charge of uh, perished on that battle. And the troops that England had sent to that battle were, were some of the same battle-hardened troops that won against Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. It was such a shocking victory in a war of 1812 where we, we pretty much didn't win hardly any battles at all in that war. Yeah, and I, I teach this. The kid, this is, the, my eighth graders absolutely love the Battle of New Orleans because here's, here's he had a bunch of ragtag 
group. He had pirates that were helping him. And when you have pirates helping you, all things are going to be good, right? Actually, he got a lot of his weapons from the pirates, and the pirates are also very good cannoneers. And the British were kind of stupid because they stuck a bunch of barrels of sugar around their cannons. So when our cannonballs hit those sugar barrels that they exploded and basically a slurpee was all over the of the uh british cannons and they their cannons wouldn't fire and the one thing that the british needed that they didn't take with them were ladders to get over the big uh moat that andrew jackson's guys had dug and that that's where they got wet taken out and uh, yep. uh what an amazing battle i think a total of 50 guys either killed or wounded on uh Andrew Jackson's side, it was it was, and then uh, over two thousand or more on the British side. It was the most lopsided military defeat ever, up until maybe uh, Desert Storm, and uh, just absolutely amazing, and uh, just cool. And the British, the British lost their top generals in this. And you said they had they had hardened troops, and they could not beat this ragtag group of people that saved New Orleans. Yeah, they had and, they had uh, volunteers, they had Indians fighting with them, yep, they had free yep. slaves fighting with them. Yep. Uh, all those, and, and, and all the, and the pirates, of New Orleans, just to defend New Orleans, right? And and that was critical because what they were trying to do, the British wanted to capture New Orleans and then come up to Mississippi and cut the United States in half, and they'd have us. And they were going to attack down from Canada. So, uh, I mean, that the whole backstory on Andrew Jackson is absolutely incredible. He's lucky he even survived. A British officer came into his cabin and said, "Shine my boots or clean my boots," and he refused during the Revolutionary the, War. Yeah, during the Revolution, right? And the officer slammed the the sword down on him and cut his hand and gave him a, a cut on his forehead, kind of like the Harry Potter uh, mark. And uh, man, his father died when he was a child. His mother and his, and his brother yep. both died in the Revolutionary War from dysentery yes. and being sick. Dysentery. And yep. uh, it, it's it's he was orphaned at fifteen after the war. Uh, became a self-made man, became a lawyer, became a, a politician, became a general. The, the guy did what what Americans are, are this is how we look up to guys, is guys that uh, are there to fight for the freedom and the, the uh, prosperity of this country. So I mean, he had one of, he had one of the first major sex scandals too, but it wasn't yeah. his fault. He was <laughs> technically his wife Rachel Donaldson was technically married to two guys at the same time, and, and they had gotten married in across the Mississippi and Spanish territory. So, and so she got her divorce finally, but everybody used it against him saying she was a bigamist. And if you said something about his wife, the pistols were coming out. He was ready to shoot you. Uh, so you did not mess around with he him. He was really the first president where they just, the, uh, the, there was all kinds of scandals. Anything that looked like a scandal, they were, they were attacking him with because the bankers you know, wanted to have him thrown out and, and not reelected. And, uh, Gee, kind of sounds like what's happening now, doesn't it? Yes. Well, there was, yeah. and it, well after his, his wife, Rachel, died during the election, uh, his first election, then, yeah, he, he had another, you know, they called the petticoat affair. There's all kinds of things that happened when he was in office, the, the kitchen cabinet that he put in place so that he could actually uh, uh, run the executive branch the way he wanted. There's, there's just so much there if you really read into it. Glenn, I wanted to finish with one, yeah. one, one thing about this. Uh, on, on July 10th, he had his, his address about the veto. He wanted to tell the American citizens why the veto. Uh, one last statement and then one, one last uh, paragraph, and I'll be done with it. The opinion of the judges has no more authority over Congress than the opinion of the Congress has over the judges. And to that point, the president is independent of both, which is how he ran the government, which is the way it should run. There is nothing in, in the bank's legitimate functions that make it necessary or proper listen to this last part glenn it is to be regretted that the rich and powerful too often bend the acts of government to their selfish purposes distinctions in society will always exist under every just government 
a quality of talents, of education, or of wealth cannot be produced by human institutions. In the full enjoyment of the gifts of heaven and the fruits of superior industry, economy, and virtue, every man is equally entitled to the protection of law. But when the laws undertake to add these natural and just advantages, uh, artificial distinctions, to grant titles, gratitudes, and exclusive privileges, to make the rich richer and the potent more powerful, the humble members of society, the farmers, mechanics, laborers, who have neither the time nor the means of securing these favors to themselves, have a right to complain of the injustice of their government. There is no necessary evils in government. The evils exist only in its abuses. It is, it, if it would confine itself to equal protection, and as heaven does its, its rains to shower favors upon all, rich and poor, it would be an unqualified un, uh, blessing in the act before them uh, let me I'll have to finish on the other side. It's hard to read the old, old English. Basically, he's saying, I'm not going to sign this thing. It's not equal to all in this in this country. We'll be right back. That's right. We'll, we'll be right back. And welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour. This is your substitute teacher, Glenn Biddle, sitting in today. we got Jason with us. We're talking about Andrew Jackson and his vetoing of the Second Bank of the U.S., it's uh, his version of, of this gargantuan monster we face today, the Federal Reserve, the eight-headed Hydra, the car- political cartoons of the day had Andrew Jackson fighting it off. Man, so Jason, finish up that uh, veto message there, and then I'm going to give the audience some homework. Go ahead. Oh, that's fine. You know, that was pretty much done. I mean, the, the, uh, I wish we all still spoke in old English. I wish our education system – that, that old uh, way of, of, of speaking was patient and it was more respectful – I really believe the world, uh, that this country would be a much better place if we would speak uh, so so eloquently uh, because, like I said, there was a respect in it and there was a, a patience in, in, in the verbiage. Uh, the last line was basically, in the act before me, there seems to be a wide and unnecessary departure from these just principles. He's saying that this is a, a, a unequivocal, evil, tyrannical piece of legislation. We, there's no way we should, there should be a, a central bank. And I'm ending it. And then shortly after, uh, like you said, Glenn, earlier, he took all the, the deposits out of the, uh, the, the second bank in the United States. He put it in these state banks, paid off the national debt. There was a surplus of money coming in. He distributed that equally amongst the, the existing states. Uh, and we had prosperity for, for many decades, especially leading up to the Civil War, which that was the next banker's attempt at breaking apart the country. But, uh, yeah, they, they, you want to look at all the wars – and all the uh, ups and downs of our country's history, that there's always a banking controlling element with all of this stuff, and especially foreign wars. We didn't have a single foreign war in America until the Federal Reserve was put into place in 1913. We didn't we didn't go off in far far away places and, and kill people for whatever uh, we decided they should have to do. Control your own house, right, Glenn? You you take care of your house. You let somebody else take care of their house, right? Exactly right. And ladies and gentlemen, here's your homework. And Jason, don't don't. Don't give it away here. This you'll you'll laugh when you'll hear this. Okay, I I want you to you and you're going to email me. I'm going to give you my email address. Write this down: biddle at goeastern.net. B i d d l e the at sign goeastern g o e a s t o n dot net. Biddle at goeastern.net. Uh, 
I want you to tell me what was the cheese wheel <laughs> and Andrew Jackson. <laughs> the cheese wheel and Andrew Jackson. That's all I'm going to say. It's a fun thing to look up. Whoever, whoever great, that's gives a great me the story. Best, that is such a great oh, story. Oh, it's the best story ever. Whoever has the best explanation of the cheese wheel and you email me over the weekend on Monday, I'm going to pick somebody that has emailed me. And we're going to give you a silver dollar, okay? I got something uh, better. You know what? I'll, if, okay, if, if, what do you got? If it's Colorado, obviously this won't help with Arizona. Uh, maybe we'll do, we'll do something for Arizona. But, we'll uh, give you an Arizona hat. I think we have an I'll, Arizona I'll hat. I'll get you a piece over. of silver, but I'll add a uh, uh, Cafe Athens. We have a $25 gift certificate to Cafe Athens, which is a supporter of the station here. Uh, I'll get you a gift certificate to have a, a fine meal over with uh, the fine guys at Carrie that runs that place. You can have a cheese wheel. <laughs> so it's so it's Andrew Jackson and the cheese wheel. Look it up. It's the best story ever. So email me, the history teacher, Biddle at GoEaston.net. Biddle at GoEaston.net. I'll also put this up on our Facebook page at 1360. Uh, and just tell me, whoever has the best explanation or can tell me something that they thought that was a cool story, we're going to just pick it at random and give you a nice gift. That's our gift to you for Andrew Jackson because he was a gift to our country. Okay, you can say what you want about Andrew Jackson. He was a man of his times. He did what he had to do, and you know we're we're. I'm not going to say well, we are better off for it. Maybe some people would say no, we're not, but I can I see that point to it. But um, he did what he had to do, and uh, they're probably going to take him off the twenty dollar bill, and he'll be fine with that because he never wanted paper money to begin with. I don't think terrible. they're taking him off, man. As long as we have paper money, see, we'll, we'll talk oh, about it's that. Coming for just, off. Well, uh, I, I, well, we'll see. If there's no paper money, then he'll be off it. <laughs> if, well, yeah, yeah, it's true. But they I, want to replace him with Harriet Tubman, and that that's probably going to happen. Oh, I, you know, I know they're going to talk about it. It's great to have that sitting there so that people can talk about it and shame the guy more. But I don't think he'll be taken off. And, and the main reason is, is uh, if you look at there's a, there's usually a history or story of why certain presidents and people are on coinage and on the paper money there is a stark no understanding and no story behind why andrew jackson ended up on the 20 and before that he was on the 10 and what happened was is uh, andrew jackson after the federal reserve gained their central bank in 1913 they immediately started printing 10 dollar bills with andrew jackson on it they knew that this was a man that humiliated and, and utterly defeated them and here we are you know it was uh, 70 years later, they were still bitter about this man. That They knew that throwing him on paper money would, would be something that would make him very uncomfortable and unhappy if he were alive. And uh, that was eventually moved to the $20 bill. And you know they, they have reasons for every single president why they're on bills, but they have, they, there's nothing spoken about why he's on there. It's plainly obvious to me that it's, it was, a, it was a, a poke back at Andrew Jackson to put him on paper money. Yeah, and a lot of Indian casinos will not accept $20 bills because of the trail of tears. Now, if you're so bent out of shape about Andrew Jackson being on a $20 bill and you want to get rid of those $20 bills, send them to us, <laughs> and we'll transform them over into gold and silver for you, and we'll, we'll wash them. We'll money launder for you. Uh, we'll launder that $20 bill, legally, of course, into something that is uh, a hard asset that uh, has no counterparty risk, is real gold and silver, something you could put into your safe or your safekeeping and, and, have, and hedge against inflation. That, that's what it's for. Right, Jason? That's correct. You know, we're going to come up on the break, but I'll say quickly, uh, it wasn't Andrew Jackson that uh, caused the the uh, the Indians to be sent uh, westward. Uh, it was that was a popular movement. The people of this country wanted that. Whether Andrew Jackson enforced it or not, you don't pin you don't pin the entire abuse of the Indians on one man. 
uh, or a group of men. You know, the people of this country, you, you, can get, you can get mad, you can feel grief, you can have these people out there destroying things over the, the past histories of peoples. But Andrew Jackson was a great president. He did what the people wanted him to do. He owned slaves. It was legal to own slaves. Was it a good idea? Was it a, a virtuous thing? Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, Africans didn't have it very good. And, and yes, being a slave is not a good thing. But it's not like we were enslaving people of this country. They were being brought from another country. And it was legal at the time. He didn't do anything unlawful. If it was illegal to own slaves, Andrew Jackson would not have owned slaves. He was a man of the law. Right, Glenn? That's exactly right. And that, that's a, and he does get hit with that unjustifiably for the uh, Indian issue. We'll be right back. Final segment coming up on a Jack Daniels Friday, Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Final segment on the Patriot Radio News Hour on a Jack Daniels Friday, our special MS-62 Saints. We were lucky to get this special again today. Uh, they are slabbed PCGS NGC certified MS-62 Saints, $1,995. Give Wendy a call, 800-951-0592. Glenn, let me jump in and, real quick on the yep. special. Uh, my phones have been blowing up. I don't have anybody helping me here, so I'm going to get to your phone calls. I'll, you leave messages if you're calling here. Uh, I will get. I know there's people that are, are asking me questions and wanting to order these coins. I'm off the air in a couple of minutes, and we will get busy uh, selling the rest of those coins. So it appears to me that what is available is very slim. So if you want one of these before the weekend, and who knows what the price of gold and silver will be on Monday, uh, call quickly, get get your order in because these could be evaporating before our eyes. So please, please, please do it and get as many as you can. I mean, I will first come first serve. You want ten of these, get ten of them. Uh, just jump in and, and, and get yourself in a better spot financially, Glenn. That's right. And we will accept your Andrew Jackson $20 bills. We will accept <laughs> them all day long. We'll accept lots of them, by the way. Uh, yeah. And so remember your homework, the cheese wheel, Andrew Jackson and the cheese wheel. When I laugh, you can understand why when you look this thing up. It's funny. Uh, if you And also, there's two ways you can do this. You can send it to my email, biddle at goeaston.net, or the best way would be 1360KHNC, our, our Facebook page. Go over there, and I'll put, put a post up, and you can submit no cutting and pasting, your own words about Andrew Jackson and the cheese wheel. Don't take the easy way out like students do sometimes. Glenn, yeah, let me jump in on one last thing yep. here uh, before we go off the air. Uh, we don't have – I don't have any specific information of Eric's condition. Uh, I did talk to Joe briefly this morning. Uh, he wants everyone's prayers and, and concerns to be directed at Eric. Uh, we don't know how severe it is right now for him. It could be very severe. Uh, so we want uh, – you know, Joe, Joe is obviously very uh, shook up, and he's very concerned. Everybody should be that cares about Patriot Trading Group and anybody that cares about this radio station. Eric is a big part of the history of this place. And we will hopefully – hopefully he'll pull through this, but – uh, some of the tidbits of, uh, I don't know if it's rumors or actual uh, information, don't seem too too good right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, well, hopefully we'll we'll have more to update you on Monday. But uh, we really uh, are hoping that he pulls through. We want Eric to, to get better. Absolutely. Thoughts and prayers for Eric. And uh, you know, he's he's huge. Like in, uh, in, in the movie Stripes, he's our big toe. He's what keeps us up operate and walking and we, we really are wishing well for him and his family and uh jason any final thoughts on andrew jackson before we head out of here today uh i love his quote uh, as he was leaving office they asked him well what was the your most proud accomplishment of your two terms in office he said i killed the bank 
Uh, also, it is rumored that his last uh, thing that he said before he passed on uh, was, uh, I killed the bank. He, he was something he was very proud of, that he felt he was doing his job of protecting his country. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an extraordinary man. All the way to the end, he, was, he had uh, his hand in the government even towards the end. Uh, he, was, he helped uh, with the, uh, getting uh, Texas its statehood and uh, helping with its independence. Uh, he was involved in, in a lot of the, the really important things of American history, from the Revolutionary War all the way to Texas gaining statehood. There's just a lot there. Yeah, when he, when he died, uh, the people around him, one of the persons said, do you think Andrew Jackson's in heaven? And somebody said, do you think St. Peter's going to be able to keep him out? <laughs> you know what? And, at, and at his funeral, he had a parrot that was mimicking some of his salty language and was, uh, oh was speaking that during the funeral. So, All right, Andrew Jackson in the cheese wheel, ladies and gentlemen. That's your homework. You know what to do. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday, Patriot Radio News Hour.